0: This is Karen with Coach's Corner Chats. I just want to take a moment to say thank you, thank you, thank you for the support of this podcast. If you haven't done so already, hit that subscribe button and take a moment and fill out a review. It makes a whole lot of help in terms of growing and developing this podcast. Enjoy today's chat. Peace. Hey, this is Karen. Coaches Corner Chats, and joining me is Rob Breton. Rob, where are you at and what are you up to?
1: Uh, I'm out at University of nebraska Kearney, out in central Nebraska. Uh, currently in the process of being prepared for recruiting event this weekend in Kansas City and prepping training for tomorrow morning.
0: What does prepping for a recruiting uh, experience, what's that even look like? What's that even mean?
1: So... One thing that I'm very big on when it comes to recruiting is, is, you know, notifying through social media platforms that, you know, we're going to be attending an event, making sure that we're registered for the event that we're going to. Um, if there are players that are interested in us, putting our contact information out there for them to be able to reach out to us. So that way, you know, oh, hey, I, maybe I'm interested in Carney and coming to your school. So they'll shoot me an email. I get their information. Maybe I can watch a highlight film before they show up. Um, find out what teams they play for is kind of build a little rapport before I get out there and just start looking for any and every kid that's at these events.
0: And you talked about training. So is this kind of getting ready for a spring season? Do you have games set up coming in the next couple months?
1: Yeah. So we have, currently we have three uh, off season games scheduled throughout April. Uh, we're allowed up to five travel dates right now, but you know, I just wanted to do three and the current training regime is more along the lines of individual player development so it's a lot of basic fundamental things, you know, just working on touches, turns, dribbling, first passes, um, you know, using all parts of your foot. Uh, especially, you know, after the season we had, I want to bring a new level of competence back to the players and make them realize how, um, how good they really can be and how good they really are. So sometimes you got to bring it back to the basics and help them realize, you know, oh, I can do this.
0: You, you mentioned this past season. Um, how long have you been at Kearney?
1: So I got out here in April. So my first day was actually April 11th. And the last training session of the season was April 30th. So I only had 19 days with the team before dead week and before finals. And then everyone ho- went home for the summer. Um, so it's it's been a very big learning process, both for myself and for the ladies at the program, uh, kind of adapting to each other, growing, figuring out, Where we need to where we need to be better, both myself and them on the field, off the field, the environment, the culture, just everything.
0: So when you came in um, and they do return back at the end of the summer, what were some of the things that you said? I've got to start getting these things laid like foundation wise, maybe not just for this year, this first year, but to continue to grow and build on this program.
1: Uh, Two of the biggest focuses for this year was the the mentality and the fight. You know, we wanted players that understood we are always going to have a fighting mentality. We aren't going to just look for problems. We're going to look for solutions. Uh, And, you know, that correlates beyond the game, which is a huge, huge focus of what we look for with players. You know, we want to develop the best people that will turn into great players, not the other way around. Um, The second area was, you know, to be able to fight, to be able to have that mentality, you got to be fit. Um, I don't believe in running just a run. I don't believe in running because we have to play chase and run or kick and run. But in the conference we play in and the competition we play against, you have to understand you are going to turn over the ball. The opponents are going to attack you. So we want to be so fit that we can constantly defend teams anytime we lose the ball and we're able to get the ball back as quickly as possible.
0: And what level is uh, Kearney?
1: Uh, We're a division two in the MIAA conference.
0: And one of the other things I was going to ask about was um, coaching. Is this something that you kind of saw coming for you? Or is this kind of like, let's go back a little bit. Soccer. When did you get the bug? When did you get bitten? Like, did you play as a youth? Did you just kind of fall into it? Like, how
1: how did Rob become a soccer enthusiast? Um, So I've been playing soccer since I was four. You know, my older brother was very big into it. And I always wanted to be just like him growing up. So I was like, Oh, well, he plays soccer, I'm gonna play soccer. And I want to say it was probably around 12 to 13 when it kind of just clicked for me. Uh, That was around the 02 World Cup. And Things just really started falling into place where I'm like, oh, I like this. And, you know, my dad and brother started watching World Cup games. So I started getting really into it. And then at 16 was when I was like, all right, I want to make this something serious. That was when Italy was, you know, the best in the world, watching Francesco Totti play. Um, Ronaldinho was at his prime. all, All the greats of that time. So I became so obsessed with it that that's when I actually started playing club soccer. I played rec until I was 16. So I played club for three years, and from that moment, I ended up walking on to a nationally ranked Division II program at West Virginia Wesleyan. To tell you the truth, I had no idea what I wanted to do when I got to college. I just wanted to play ball. When I graduated, I would play in some pickup leagues in West Virginia where I lived, and I um, I would do youth coaching. And it just so happened when I was working on one of my youth badges a guy I played against in college was in that course with me and he was the men's assistant at the school that I ended up getting hired onto as the women's assistant. And that just opened the floodgate for me where I was like, Oh, I can do this all all the time. I get to run training sessions. I get to do budgeting and player communications, which is what I already did as a profession, but I did it in the residential apartment complex industry. So I was managing apartment complexes Got an opportunity to get a college coaching job, and I was like, this fits me more. This is what I want to do. So I've just been hooked ever since.
0: Talking about your experience with the West Virginia School, um, what were some of the things that you look back and you loved about that experience?
1: The competitive nature of the environment, making it to an elite eight, being part of that, playing against players who ended up going to the MLS or playing in the FA Cups or playing pro overseas it just it changed my perspective on you know the the small network of soccer that i was in until i was 16 when i started playing club i knew there was something a little bit more when i got to college you really start to realize how vast the game is across the globe and how many people it really impacts
0: and how important was it to have like a buddy that you played with just looks over and goes hey maybe you should come coach with me how cool was that that someone reached out and kind of said hey I see something in you come on over here and and you can coach with us
1: you know I actually really love that uh his name was George he uh he played at a rival school in our conference and um you know during that time I was actually in the process of creating uh, a team in West Virginia that is currently on its process to being a UPSL team we were just an amateur group of college guys and adults and we were like oh well let's play in open cup let's play region cup let's play werner fricker let's play in the leagues that we can play in out here and george would play with us and he saw how dedicated i was to coaching youth trying to grow trying to learn the game more on the opposite side not just the player side but from the tactics the the psychological understanding all that stuff and he's like you you're still interested in the college game, right? And I was like, yeah. And he goes, come on, I, I got this I got this interview for you set up. Come meet this guy. I think you'll really like him. Um, and for that, I'll always be thankful for George uh, opening that door for me.
0: When you look at just that experience, what was it like when you go in? Because you have no experience at the college level. What was it like walking on campus that first time and like, okay, it's go
1: time? It was – it was surreal, it was eye-opening, but at the same time, it you didn't really see everything because when I walked on for my interview, it was a different type of walk on campus than I did when I was a freshman or a high school kid going to, to look at the campus. Like when I was going there, you're looking, okay, am I gonna like this place? Am I gonna like the classes? What are the facilities like? But when you're going in as a coach, you're like, okay, what's the budget like? What's the administration like? What are the procedures, the processes? What are the facilities? How is the campus set up for student life? And then, you know, the even bigger one of when you get to run your first training session, you just, you have that invigorating spirit about you that you do when you're a kid and you're just going to play pickup for the first time. And you just, you want to bring all that energy to every single session and and everything with the kids where it's like, okay, I got to contain it. Don't make them think you're too crazy at first about this. You know you got to make them uh, like you at first, and then we'll we'll go from there.
0: You mentioned that they're kids, but you were young at the same time going into that situation. What was it like, kind of managing? Maybe there's some some players that were actually older than you, or you know, some are married or whatever. How did you deal with the whole kind of like I'm the coach? I know I'm young, but I'm here to rock and roll and do my thing.
1: It was definitely. it was definitely an experience and and a, a trial by error, to say the least. I am one of those people that I have to, uh, I learn by failing. And that is definitely a good thing, but a bad thing at the same time. Um, but to tell you the truth, so I actually got into the coaching game a little bit later than everyone else. I didn't start college coaching until I was 27. And so now being... 33, being in the game for five, six years, um, I look back and I'm like, wow, there's so many things that I could have done differently, how I could have handled communications with players, how I could have handled, um, you know, disciplinary situations, how I could have run training sessions, how I could have communicated ideas or thought processes, or how I could have helped people grow in different ways. Uh, It's, as a young kid, you know, it's always the truth of we think we know everything and we're like oh the world's really not that big but as you get older you start realizing like the more you know the less you really know and young me wouldn't have embraced that now I look at it and like I embrace that no I want to learn more so I can realize how little I truly know so I can continue to learn more Um, just so that way I can share my knowledge because that's one of the best parts of our job is we get to share our knowledge with the future.
0: Has that outlook been something you've just kind of developed or were you, cause it sounds like you're one of those that when you see a problem, you can create a plan you want to attack it, like creating a club or a team that has now built up to the point where it could get to maybe a professional level here in the U S or just the, the ability to go from like club to walking on and playing at the college level. Have you always been one of those? That's kind of like, even in high school or younger where you were that kid that just kind of like, oh, hold up, I got an idea, and rally around. I've got this. Here's what we're gonna do.
1: Yeah, that's that's definitely my personality trait. Um, and you know, we actually bring that to the program here. We we constantly say, don't give us problems, bring us solutions. Hmm. And and that's that's a big mindset thing that you want because you know enough people in the world are able to point out what's wrong. How often can you point out something on how to change it, how to get a different outcome? Um, and that's how you're successful, and that's how things get better. Um, so, you know, for me as a kid, when you know I still remember this till this day, my my senior year of high school, when we were doing tryouts for our high school team, um, I went into my coach's office with a depth chart for each position and different formations with each player in position. And he cut three of the kids on the group for us, and I was like, Coach Blakefeld, you understand that if you remove these guys, you're going to drastically change our formation for the future. Oddly enough, that was the year that I ended up playing different positions than I ever played before, because we didn't have that depth because we didn't have those kids that I wanted to to be on the (laughs) roster. Um, And, you know, over Christmas break, I was cleaning out my parents' house. Like I was cleaning out my old room and going through all my old notebooks. And I literally found set piece plays that I was drawing in high school and, uh, like, you know, sophomore and junior year, I was literally drawing up set pieces for free kicks and corner kicks and coming up with them. And so, you know, I think that's always just been me is more of an architect type, you know, what can I build? How can I build? How can I progress? So
0: were you born and raised in West Virginia? Is that why you kind of stayed there or where, where did you grow up and, and learn the game?
1: So I'm actually from Maryland, um, Harford County, Maryland. I'm about 45 minutes east of Baltimore County. Um, you know, I played, like I said, I played rec only in the county until I was 16. Then I played with a local club team that wouldn't travel really too far other than a couple of um, counties around. Then I joined the Baltimore Bays organization. Um, and that was way back before Baltimore Armor Pipeline and all those clubs became what they are. The Baltimore Bays were like one of the, The founding clubs in the in the state for the time and you know I just got a great opportunity at West Virginia Wesleyan when I went on a visit and I trained with the team and I met the coach Um, there was just something about the spot that kind of hit home and when I graduated at the time I was like you know what I really don't want to go back to Maryland and live with my parents I kind of want to live on my own and start my own thing so you know, West Virginia is what I'd known for five years as an adult at that time. And I was like, well, let's just stay out here. It's cheaper living. I love the people. I love the mountains. I'm a big outdoors person. And uh, somehow I just ended up living there for 14 years.
0: So how does one get from like the first job? How do you end up in Nebraska of all places?
1: (laughs) Lots of applications, my guy. Um, so, as a as an assistant coach, you know, my previous head coach and I had had a conversation. He's like, you know, I think it's time for you to start looking for your next spot. I think you're ready to be a head coach. I think you need to make that next step. I don't think you're going to learn any more here in this opportunity. So, to tell you the truth, I applied for 32 different head coaching jobs. I got two interviews. Carney was one of them. Another one was, um, Salem university in West Virginia. And I had actually been denied the opportunity to be the head coach here at Carney. They hired someone else, the head coach from Texas A&M commerce at the time, Neil Piper. Um, so they hired him and they told me I didn't have enough head coaching experience. So I said, you know what, I'll go to Salem so I went over to Salem. Um, I started working on getting the program back together there. It was actually a full rebuild. They had been shut down for two years. Um, we had the season plan. I had started putting together scholarship offers, players recruiting, training sessions for the kids on campus. And three weeks later, the athletic director at Kearney called me and he was like, hey, so I'm going to throw you a bit of a curveball here. Um The coach who was here had to leave due to a family medical emergency and he's not going to be able to to stay here he has to move back to texas where his family is and i was like oh okay i'm sorry to hear that well what can i do for you And he's like well would you like the job i was like oh i gotta think on this you gotta give me a few days like and so we ended up talking i talked with the athletic director at salem he understood it was time for me to leave west virginia again i'd been there for so long i was ready for a new adventure um, so I put in my two weeks, packed everything in a U-Haul, drove across the country Friday, Saturday, got here Sunday, started Monday.
0: Wow, that's crazy. The The other thing you mentioned uh, was like going through your stuff at home with your parents. How, how have they been with like, you know, when you decided to go from like dealing with apartments and all that kind of stuff you were doing to, hey, I think I'm going to go chase the coaching dream. To now I'm driving a U-Haul across, you know, the country to Nebraska. How has their take been watching you kind of grow into this head coaching role?
1: I'm lucky to have the single best support system of all time. Um, they've never not supported me in my chase for what makes me happy. Um, now, don't get me wrong. They're always there to help keep my head straight and keep me in check on some things because, You know, sometimes I had dreams and they're like, oh, well, you know, you're going to have to do this, this and this to get there. And I'm like, oh, yeah, I really don't want to do that. Um, There would be other times where, you know, they would say that. I'm like, no, that's exactly what I want to do. So when I was doing the apartment stuff, they knew that I was good at it, but I wasn't necessarily happy doing it. Um, I made great money. Don't get me wrong. I was able to be debt free before 30, which is phenomenal. Um, Everything paid off. Car paid off. Like I was I was living comfortably but I dreaded going to work every day, not because of the company, not because of the job. It just, it wasn't what invigorated me. And it it wasn't that got me excited. So they knew that I loved coaching club. They would, they would drive four hours out to watch some of our club tournaments and just watch me spend time with these kids and coach. And it was great. Um, And then when I got the assistant coaching job, they would come out for two games a year. Again, four hours, isn't terribly far. They were used to that. That's how far my school was. But then when I called them and told them about my head coaching job, uh, my dad flew from Baltimore to Pittsburgh and then took buses, taxis, and Ubers to get the remaining three hours from Pittsburgh down into central West Virginia to meet me the day that I was going to start my trip and literally ride shotgun with me for the, the 19 and a half hour drive across the country. Um And you know, that was a great experience I got to have with my dad. And, you know, they've been out here. They came out for two games so far this fall, and it was a great experience. They got to see what a wonderful city and town this is and and the community. And it's just, if I did not have them, I don't think I would be capable of doing half of what I've ever done.
0: What was that nineteen hour drive like? Like what an awesome experience. Like a lot of us don't get to spend that long a time in such a secluded, like you're inside a vehicle one v one having conversations like how awesome of an experience was that for you
1: it honestly it was it was brilliant and I've honestly I've done that drive four times now um to now I don't I don't go back to West Virginia I keep going past to Maryland so it's actually about a 23 24 hour drive um and most of the time I'll just do it straight uh not not a good idea rely a lot of coffee to get there (laughs) um But, you know, being with my dad for that trip, it was great. I kind of got to connect with him on more of a a personal level rather than a father-son level. Um, And that's something that, you know, now getting to my age and where they are in their age is uh, reminding myself that, you know, they are my parents, but they're also people with their own ambitions and goals and, you know, their experiences in life and what they wanted to chase. Um, I'm also an absolutely huge Harry Potter nerd. So audiobooks were on the whole 19 hours.
0: I was going to ask you too, what, what are some of the things I always love to hear what coaches do? Like you get so entrenched, you know, 365 days a year, just thinking about, like you just talked about, I got recruiting coming up. I got a training session tomorrow. Um, I'm trying to build this team up and I got to, you know, deal with all those things like the budgets and whatever, what you mentioned being adventurous. Now you've just mentioned Harry Potter. What are those things that you find or do that gets you away from all that is coaching?
1: I mean, in in reality, at the end of the day, no matter how much we want to, we're never fully away. Um, always having that cell phone in that pocket, always available. Uh, but, you know, me, I'm big on, um, on goal setting and doing things that way. So like for an example, this year, uh, and I keep my goals like within visual. So like they're right here next to my laptop and I have them at home as well, right next to my bed. One of them is I want to go camping twice. So I love backpacking. I love hiking, you know, just getting in the outdoors where... My phone can't work. He can't access me for two days. And I just got to live off whatever's in my book bag. Um, So I actually did that at the end of the season. I went out to the Canyonlands in Utah, which is 13 hour drive, drove out there, backpacked for two days, got to see some national parks and some beautiful stuff. Um, You know, I, I love reading. I love finding different things. But somehow, no matter what, even when I'm doing reading, somehow the books I'm reading correlate to coaching. When... Um, when I have free time and I'm watching movies, maybe I'll throw on a documentary about soccer every now and then. Um, it's but the biggest thing for me, I would say would probably be setting aside just some times that allow you to not forget that you're a coach, but reinstill that you are a person that you also do coaching. So, like I said, for me, Harry Potter, I'm a huge marvel nerd so like i watch all the series all the movies um i love lord of the rings and stuff like that very big fictional character if you couldn't tell and um you know just for me that getting away snowboarding um and even going playing pickup when i play pickup i'm not a coach i'm a player and i get to go back to the thing that invigorated me to play the game in the first place and i just get this new energy about me it's brilliant Mm-hmm. is this
0: side of you something that you share with your team is this something that they know that you're into the harry potters and marvel and that you loved it like do you allow them into your life into that way so they can see that like, you talked about seeing your parents like not just as parents but as people and for them to see you like i'm not just a coach but i also enjoy doing things that i like to do
1: absolutely you know at first i'm not gonna lie the first couple of months i was very hesitant on being able to allow them to see both coach and person because I didn't want them to to overlap. I wanted there to be a good definitive line between, you know, I am your coach and my person is my person, but I've started to become to truly recognize that those two are in unison with each other, that that person makes me the coach I am and the coach I am makes me the person I am. Um, So, you know, there was a kid that graduated last year who would come in and watch the marvel uh tv series with me we would watch um loki every single day together when the new episodes were coming out uh i actually just tweeted on february 1st because the the black panther wakanda movie had just gotten released to disney plus i literally put it in the group chat i was like hey nerd moment uh, wakanda forever is on disney plus so make sure you go watch it um <laughs> but then we do we do the same thing with the players you know i I jokingly had a conversation with one of my players last semester who was going through some, some mental struggles. And I said, Hey, when was the last time you had a U day? She's like, what do you mean? I was like, when was the last time you took yourself out on a date for dinner or you went to a movie or, and I was like, do you like getting manicures and pedicures? And she's like, absolutely. And I said, okay. When was the last time you went and did one of those? She's like, coach, we have a game in two weeks. And I said, and sometimes you got to learn how to love yourself as well as the athlete doing all the things you do. And and it's it's really being able to find out that it's not one or the other. And there's there is a fine balance between the two, but it's also realizing that those two can almost interlock and overlay each other. And you can take care of both as long as you don't favor one more than the other.
0: What was the experience for you moving from mountains and huge rivers to nebraska from what i see on tv is just a bunch of flatness everywhere what's what was that for you after spending 14 years in west virginia
1: um definitely an adjustment period uh but i will say this there's there's a whole different level of beauty to the midwest that people are um overlooking constantly Hmm. i i've seen sunsets out here that rival anywhere i've seen in the country um the the people out here there's a phrase that said nebraska nice and it's a very real thing if you ever meet someone from nebraska they will probably be one of the nicest people you've ever met in your life and they'll just want to talk to you just to talk to you um but you know yeah it's it's definitely been different because like a, a huge difference for us is when i was in west virginia heavy winds was like 20 maybe 25 mile an hour winds out here that's a breeze I'm just like, what do you mean that's a breeze? And they're like, oh, coach, wait until you get the 45-mile-an-hour winds and we're still playing. And I was like, what? So there's that. um, You know, I love the fact that I can see weather from a long distance away. So I know if it's going to rain in two or three hours. Whereas in West Virginia, I'd look up and it's like, all right, it's sunny. And then 30 seconds later, this giant cloud just rolls over the mountains and you're getting drenched. Um, But no, it's – yes, there was an adaption phase, but – this place has been so welcoming and so comforting and so just oddly pleasant in regards to just, a, and when I say oddly pleasant, I mean like I went sight unseen. I'd never been here before. I'd never been to Nebraska in my life. I'd never been to Kearney. I honestly couldn't even pronounce it right because I used to say Kearney because it's K-K-A-R-N-E-Y, but they're like, no, it's Kearney. And I'm like, that's not how you spell it. Um, it's just, it's been so right and and i just i can't explain it it's it didn't feel like i moved even though the demographic might not be the same or the geography might not be the same it just it feels right all the time here and it's pleasantly surprising that you can uproot your entire life and your existence that you've had move somewhere else and it feels like you've been there for years
0: The other thing you mentioned uh, in the process of getting to Kearney was the fact that you put in applications at 30 plus schools. What was the experience of not getting interviews and how did you keep your head up and keep going? Something's going to happen. Something's going to come along. Um, Was there times where you started to maybe doubt like maybe this isn't going to happen?
1: Oh, absolutely. Doubt's always there. Let's be real. Even a college coach, doubt is always there. Am I doing the right thing? Are things working out? Do I need to change stuff? Like, that's, that's what it is. Um, but I'll say this as well. If you're in our field, rejection is the thing you're most comfortable with. It is. How often do we recruit kids that say no to us? How often do we recruit kids that go somewhere else? How often do we get ghosted by kids that we were talking to for three months and then they just stop replying to text messages? Um, How often do we get said no to by administrators or businesses, sponsorships, fundraising, um, teams that want to come play us, teams that don't want to come play us? Like... Our job is literally rejection. And I joke about that with my players all the time. I'm like, I am so comfortable with people saying no to me that like it just rolls off the shoulder now. I I don't feel it like personally anymore. Um, But with with the application process, a lot of things that I ended up learning through the application process was more about learning how to adjust To show that you could fit the needs of what you want, you're not going to send the exact same application to every single school that you apply to. If you do that, what makes you any different from those people? If you have 200 people applying to schools and you're sending a blank, black and white letterhead email and Times New Roman that has all the same, like what makes you pop out? And that was one thing that one of my mentors told me. Another one was, you know, what about you fits the school? You know, do you fit their mission statement? Do you fit their identity of what they're trying to do for their students? You know, are they a local-based institution? Are they a school that wants international-based? Are they trying to grow? Are they trying to maintain? What's their expectations, you know? And oddly enough, that directly correlates to our job and to what we coach our kids, which is adaptability. How do you adapt? And I can tell you that it was definitely humbling. Applying to 32 places and getting two interviews. Very humbling. Um, And this ranged from uh, junior college head coaching jobs to D2 assistant to D1 assistant to D2 head coach. I even applied for some D1 head coaching jobs that I had no business applying for. (laughs) But just like I do with recruiting, I'm going to shoot my shot at everyone. Because the worst (laughs) thing you're going to do is say no. And I'm right back where I started. But if I didn't take that shot, then I'm going to be able to look back and say, well, what could have happened if I would have tried?
0: You mentioned the idea of, you know, junior college all the way up to D1. Is there, as you kind of look forward, is there a part of you that's thinking like, after I really build up Kearney, that I'm going to, I can make a jump maybe to another, is there a certain level that maybe that Rob's saying, you know what, I'd like to get to, or you more of a Let's just see what's going on, and if the opportunity comes, the opportunity comes.
1: I would honestly say a little bit of both. I mean, i'm not gonna I'm not gonna sit here and lie and say that, you know, I wouldn't love to be a d one or a pro coach one day. I mean, if any coach you talk to, if they say otherwise, I don't think unless they've been in the game for a long time, you know the reality is is you want to become the best version of yourself and you want to always compete. That's why we do this job. we We love to compete. We can't do it as players anymore so now we do it as coaches um so at the flip side though i'm not looking beyond carney why look beyond something as great and such a wonderful setup as what you have here i have a wonderful support staff i have a wonderful administration The facilities are beautiful. The school is well taken care of. I mean, I'm not joking when I say this place is beyond just a student-athlete experience. They're expanding on the student experience here. You know, the school's taking care of its students. It's building new buildings. It's constantly growing. The town is growing. This is one of the few institutions in the entire country that had an increase in student population during covid I, when, when they told me that in my first meeting here, I was baffled. I was like, I don't believe you. And then I looked up the numbers and I was like, okay, that's crazy. And, you know, for me, yes, is it good to set goals and set objectives? Absolutely. But My goals and objectives are focused on Carney. My goals and objectives are here. And until I accomplish everything and anything that I can here, why would I look beyond what I need right now?
0: You mentioned goal setting and you've talked about how already you're working on some individual skill sessions with your players and that last year was all about like competing, you know, getting in good shape, just getting used to playing at a higher level. As you now look forward to year two, what are some of the things now? Are we continuing to focus on that or do we start layering in? Is there another part of Rob's plan that you look for moving forward in the next fall?
1: So the the program identity for the first year was mentality and culture, right? We we want to compete. We want to be fit, but we want to be a family. That, that was the first one, because when you are able to compete in games, maybe not win games, but you're able to hold your own. You're able to scrap and, and be in games. And I mean, again, you know, we went 0-15-3. Not great. Everyone's going to be like, wow, you had a terrible season. Seven of those games, we lost by one goal. Two of those games, we lost by two goals. We had five teams in the top 25 in the country in our conference. We had five teams from our conference make the national tournament. So to be able to to compete, to drop the amount of goals scored on us from last year to this year, yes, the results don't show it, but there are statistics that prove that there was growth. Um, So the next growth for the program this year is is discipline and accountability. What are you doing to hold yourself and your teammates accountable for what our success is going to look like? discipline what are you doing to make sure that you are achieving your goals and are you going to be disciplined enough to do it all the time not when it's convenient um and you know that also comes into a big thing that we talk about with mental health with players the best form of self-love you can ever have discipline if you love yourself enough you're going to be disciplined to do the right things to do the things you need to do to do the things that take care of you and so Discipline, accountability, and then just pure competition. Every position is going to be competing for playing time this year. Every kid on my roster is going to be competing for playing time. I don't want players here that are, I'm okay with being a college athlete. No, I want you here because you want to compete to play, compete to win, compete to be better than you were yesterday. The progression from the next year after that is, okay, now that we know what competition is like, can we bring that competition day in and day out? Can we start creating this winning culture and this winning mentality? Because now we have the fighting mentality. If you can, you know, they always say fight or flight mentality, right? I want a fight mentality 24-7. I want kids that are always going to fight. And then once you're comfortable fighting all the time, flight is that much easier.
0: What was it like to, as you're going through a season like that, where maybe the results on the scoreboard weren't working out, How do you keep a group, your program, like still together and locked in? Um, It's one thing to look and say, hey, look, the number of goals scored is lower and we're, we're competing more. But at the end of the day, they look at you and go, coach, but we're still not getting those wins. How do you keep them focused on what the process is versus maybe the immediate results that they were getting?
1: First one is, is when you have a group of girls that are as great as what I had personality wise, that's easy. They they wanted it every day. They were here. They wanted to prove that they could do better with themselves. It wasn't about a new coach. It wasn't about new this, new that, none of that. They wanted it. They wanted to show it. And they wanted to show that the work that they were willing to put in would be there. Um, for me, from the coaching side, I, I think you hit it right on the head was where can we validate the progress? What can we see? Because, you know, at the end of the day, if you can't see the progress, if you can't see the results, people aren't going to believe it, right? Like when you're losing weight and you're like, oh, I'm trying to drop 20, 30 pounds and you drop those first five or six and you're looking in the mirror and you're like, I don't see any difference. What is this? Can you feel the difference though? Do you feel lighter when you're going to those training sessions? Do you feel lighter when you're, you're out doing your workouts? Do you feel a little bit stronger when you're pushing through? So we would correlate that with film. Okay, look at these passing patterns. Look at these progressions. Look at these identities. What does this look like? Oh, well, coach, that was the passing pattern we ran in practice yesterday. Oh, well, that's... So you can see that the little gears are starting to turn and start connecting. But now it's about getting it like a watch. Every gear has to work in synchronization for that final piece to start ticking constantly. And that's where we are right now is is getting each gear to click into the next one rather than, okay, we click this one, now we click this one, but this one stopped working. How do we get the consistency across the board so that everything stays going?
0: My last little question here before we wrap this up is, I see on your shirt, it says lopers. What in the world is a loper? (laughs) What is a loper? What's the mascot for Kearney?
1: Okay, so the, uh, the school mascot is an antelope. Uh, The name of our mascot is Louis the Loper. Um, Now, oddly enough, there aren't actually any antelopes in Nebraska (laughs) or in the Midwest at all. Uh, Antelopes aren't actually native to this area. Back in 1910, fun fact, school fact, back in 1910 when the school was was around and they were looking for a school mascot, they used to see these animals running across the the Great Plains and they – thought they were graceful and beautiful and elegant and they're like we're gonna be the antelopes well it's actually a pronghorn that's the animal that our school mascots are actually named after but they didn't know it better at the time so they named them the antelopes um and you know we've just run with it ever since so we uh we call ourselves the lopers and um louis the loper is our mascot and you know that's just a little bit about Carney.
0: That's an awesome way to end this chat. This is Kieran with Coach's Corner Chats with Rob Breton, and I'm out. Peace. What a great chat. Thanks for checking it out. If you haven't done so already, Follow us on Twitter at CoachesLet'sChat. Hit that subscribe button. And once again, if you get a chance, drop a review. It's super, super helpful for growing the podcast. Have a good one. Peace.